Radical Hospitality is the title of this uh, series. There's a little sermon intro uh, video on Facebook. If you haven't seen it, check that out. And uh, we'll use that to call us uh, together around uh, this series. Really five Sundays, so it's uh, five weeks. Did you know there are five Sundays in the month of October? And so this is going to be uh, the five Sundays in the month of October. The series is Radical Hospitality, and we're going to spend five weeks exploring five stories from Scripture that call us to understand and to embrace uh, hospitality at really as the central practice uh, in the life of the people of God. Radical hospitality. And the first of those stories begins here this morning in the scripture that was read for us in Genesis 18. And if you would uh, join me, those of you who have a Bible, if not, I'd invite you to listen very carefully. I'm going to read a little more uh, the length of that, that passage and this story so that it's living among us as we reflect and, and uh, turn our uh, attention to God's word today. So hear the word of the Lord from Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing uh, near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, If I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the, and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything Too wonderful for the Lord. At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, oh yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together and give thanks for it today. God, we thank you for your word your word that is living and active and true that tells us not only of things from days gone by, but moves forward by your Spirit into our midst and our presence and into our hearts today. So we pray that you would move by your Word and your Spirit to draw near to us, that you would give us a clearer glimpse of who you are so that we might know ourselves more completely, and that more importantly, we might be formed into your very image as you intended. Bless the reading and the hearing of your Word. May the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in the name of Jesus. The word become flesh. Amen. So did you hear? Here's Abraham right uh, at uh, the great oaks of Mamre where he sets up his tent. Abraham's no fool. If you're going to choose an RV park, choose the one with lots of shade, right? No need to go down the road to, I don't know, Fort Stockton or something. Choose the one where there's some shade. Abraham's no fool, and so he sets up his tent right there, and he and Sarah begin to live out their days before the Lord. It's the hot part of the day. Don't you know the hot part of the day? When he looks up and he sees three men approaching, strangers. He's not seen them before. That much is clear from the story. He doesn't recognize them. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch, but maybe they've got backpacks and a headband and look like vagrants, the kind that just pass through. Likely something like that. Strangers wandering through. And Abraham jumps up out of his shady spot and he rushes over to greet these three strangers who've come into his view. And the sense I get from the story is he doesn't just kind of casually stroll out to introduce himself. It almost seems like he stumbles over himself. He's so eager. He's so excited. Apparently, Abraham and Sarah, I don't know, maybe they don't see many guests come by. And when they do, man, he's in high gear. And so he runs out to greet these three. He, he almost seems to gush over them and pleads with them to stay. Wait, don't leave. Stay. Stay for a while. Sit. Where are you going to go? Pecos County? No. Stay a while. Refresh yourselves. We'll bring food. We'll bring drink. Sit. And maybe, just maybe, they look at one another, and then they look at Abraham a little bit puzzled and think to themselves, well, who does he think we are? Who does Abraham think they are? Abraham turns sprints back toward the tent where Sarah is inside, and he's firing instructions. He's so excited. The restaurant business has not been good out at the Oaks of Mamre, and finally people are starting to come around again. And so he says to Sarah, get some choice flour and knead it and make some cakes. And he turns and he runs out, and he asks his servant, he chooses, did you get this? He chooses a young calf, choice, grade A, beef. And he asks them to prepare it. And he takes milk and he prepares the meal and they, they go into high gear. They're so excited for th these three guests. And Sarah looks as he's spewing these commands and setting everything in motion with haste. And she looks at him a little puzzled herself and she thinks, well, who is here? And the text doesn't say this, but I'm just imagining that Sarah, maybe she peeks her head out the tent to see who is here, and she sees these three, and she doesn't recognize them because she's not seen them before. They are strangers, after all, who've wandered by, and she thinks to herself, just who does he think they are? That's the question. Who are these three? They lay out the spread and they sit down to eat. They are sparing no expense and no effort. It's extravagant. It almost reads over the top. And it's only as they sit down and they begin to eat the meal, as Abraham and Sarah are standing by, 
with their guests that Abraham realizes and Sarah hears that they've got news, these three guests. They've got some news. And the news, as you may have heard or followed along, is that Abraham and Sarah are going to be with child and that that matters a great deal. They're astonished by it because so far, no luck, no children, and they're astonished and they're old now, and that's the news. And then from Abraham's descendants, we learn will come many descendants and all of that, right? That's the message. But look, don't miss, for all of our focus on the message, the news that comes to them. At least, you know, as I've heard this story over the years, The focus, as I've heard it preached and taught and have approached it myself, has been on the content of the news. But the content of the news cannot be separated from the context and the moment and how they receive it and who they receive it from. So the news is important, but it's only as they have opened themselves to receive these passers-by, these strangers who maybe they know will be there for a moment and then they won't, It's only in that context and in the context of that relationship that the news comes, after all. Hearing the news, Abraham recognizes that these three guests are not just three strangers. But did you notice what they discovered? That in these three drifters, passers-by, these three who sojourn temporarily, God himself has visited In fact, the opening words of this story say the Lord appeared to Abraham as he sat under his tent by the great oaks of Mamre. Who appeared to them? This is the Stephen's talkback of the sermon. Who, Who does it say appeared to them? The Lord appeared to them. And then the story carries on without any reference to the Lord, but only these three. And then in the end, we learn that the three actually Or God himself visiting them with this news. It's astonishing. Abraham rushes out to greet these three strangers. And we discover that he's welcomed God. That he's dined with God. That he has received the Almighty in the face of these three strangers. It's a mystery. But I'm telling you it's true. And maybe it's the point of the story. His name is Bob. And he told me one Sunday morning before worship. He started to tell this story about the church that he had been connected to in Rochester, Minnesota. And he had moved to Texas from Rochester, Minnesota after he had retired. But he shared with me, he said one day, and these are not Bob's words, these are mine. He said one day, it was as if we looked out from the the shade of our nice church-like tent. And we looked across the way at the hospital, and we noticed those strangers leaning up against the Mayo Clinic. Those who couldn't really go any further because they had exhausted all other paths. That's usually what leads you to the Mayo Clinic. And he says it was those who were chronically and perhaps terminally ill with no other place to turn. And more importantly, those who loved them, their families who had come with them. It was the hot part of the day for them. Just drifting through on the path of their sickness. He said when they... I thought to myself, when they looked up, who did they think they saw across the way there? Someone, as he told me the story, looked up from the shade of that church and rushed over there, gushing, saying things like, again, 
I'm inserting my own interpretation, my own way of telling the story, saying to them, wait, stay a while. We'll prepare a meal. We'll set a place at the table. We'll provide a place for you to stay. Stay here a while. Refresh yourself. Stay as long as you want. And maybe it was then during a meal or perhaps across a coffee table or in the wee hours of the night when someone called because they just needed someone. Maybe it was in a moment like that, that like Abraham, those from the church looked up and realized that these sick ones and those broken on the suffering of their loved ones were not who they first thought, just strangers passing through for a time, but that God himself had come, that they had welcomed God and dined with God and received the Almighty. It's a mystery, but I believe it's true. Her name is Glenda. Glenda was a member at our church, and at one point she was sharing with me the story about her mother, just a little bit about her mother's life. Her mother was 92 at that time when she was sharing this with me. And she said, when I was growing up, my mom and dad took in young girls who had no place else to go. She said, again, my words, it was as if she looked out from the shade of her tent and saw them there under the burden of their circumstance with no place to go. Many of them with young newborns of their own and no family to support them. And she saw them there across the way and she thought, I'll make some bread and I'll set a place and I'll prepare a bed and I'll say to them, stay a while, stay here, refresh yourself as long as you want. And they did. Glenda told me about all of her sisters a long list of sisters who had been in the foster care of her mother. Not one or two, but many over the years that she welcomed and gave them a place to call home. And she said, you know, it was interesting, but where I grew up, grew up the church that saw this, our family welcoming these young girls said, wait. They begin to say too, wait, we'll make some bread and we'll set a place and we'll prepare a bed, and we'll provide a home. When they looked out into the face of these young girls, who did they think they were? Glenda said, it's amazing. She told me, it's amazing. Her mother, then 92, in the care facility, these girls now grown with their children grown and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they began to make their way back to visit her in the home. When she sat there in the home, fragile and frail at 92 years old, in her wheelchair, receiving her guest, when she looked at them through her 92-year-old eyes, who did she think they were? Glenda told me the names of two of the girls who had just then recently come to visit with their families all grown now. She told me the names of two of them. One's name, Eloise, which sounds strikingly similar to the Aramaic name, Eloi. Eloi. You recognize it? My God. Who did she think that was? These young girls who grew up. And the other one, oh, the, the other one's name, one Eloise, the other one who came to visit, her name was La Grace. 
Maybe somewhere during that visit, as she sat in her chair and they sat across from her, or maybe they were in the cafeteria where she was being served a meal and they sat with her all those years later when they come to visit like Abraham, she looks into their faces and realizes maybe they are not who she first thought. In these girls, God himself comes. That she had loved and embraced and fed and kept and served the Almighty. The Almighty who now loves and embraces and keeps her in the twilight of her life. I'm telling you, it's a mystery this reversal, this surprise, but it's true. Here's the thing. A story about the messengers who show up to Abraham and Sarah and Sarah's laughter at the audacity of the proposition and the possibility, all of that is important, but there's so much more here. This story is first and foremost about the surprising visit of God. The astonishing, surprising visit of God and how that visit becomes the most important story for the identity of the people of God. Who they are individually and collectively. Their identity formed, I'm telling you, the identity of the people of God in the Old Testament is largely formed out of this story in Genesis 18. It tells them something about God who continues to come in surprising ways and surprising places to reveal himself to them in the most unexpected ways. And then how the practice of receiving even the most common strangers, the other, the ones we least expect, reveal to us the very presence of God. It forms their identity. Their common life is characterized by the practice of hospitality. This practice of hospitality. If you were to ask me, and I'm only one vote, what is the most important characteristic of God's people, past and present and for all eternity, I will tell you it's the practice of hospitality. And if the story that we've read this morning defines the practice of hospitality, I at least want to call out a few things. The first of these, you'll see this word on the screen, is that this is a story about welcome, isn't it? Oh, I get a kick of trying to imagine Abraham sitting under the shade of his tree in the hot part of the day. There's not too much work going on in the hot part of the day when there's little relief sitting when he looks up and sees them and then he scrambles to his feet and rushes over there. This is a story about being overcome, overwhelmed uh, with the expression of welcome, about the urgency of it, about the passion of it, and then how They mobilize so quickly to prepare, to set the table, to provide for, to receive them in. And Sarah all of a sudden jolted up out of her afternoon as well. And the servants are, and all of that, this is a story of extravagant welcome for the most common passerby. Now, someone might say, well, maybe it was Abraham's church growth strategy that he thought if he went all out and all over the top, that maybe they would stay and they could be the first members of the great Oaks of Mamre Church. I think Abraham had no pretense. They were passing through. They were going to be there for a time, and then they were not going to be there for, uh, from that point forward. It was a season. It was a moment. And he urged them to stay. Just stay. Refresh yourself. Receive the gift. This is extravagant welcome. And not only uh, should we notice that this story is about welcome, 
But let's call out who's welcomed here. And I've tried to say this word many times through the sermon up to this point. This is about the welcome of strangers. Now, most all of us love the notion of hospitality. I don't know anybody who doesn't like hospitality, to receive it or to give it. You're either one side or the other. Some people like both. Most people, it's kind of the Martha and Mary scene, right? Um, But everyone likes the notions that are conjured up by the word hospitality. When we were a young family at the church where I served, we were connected to several other young families. And our favorite thing to do was this sort of impromptu at the last minute, you call up your friends and say, hey, I've got this in the oven. What do you have? Want to bring it over? Anybody ever have those kind of memories or that kind of thing? I don't know. Our lives move so fast now. I'm not sure we, that that works anymore. But, but we did that on a regular basis, these impromptu gatherings. And they were warm and they were loving. We formed relationships and community out of those meals. They weren't extravagantly planned, but they were extravagantly intentional in just spending time together on a random Tuesday night or maybe a Thursday and, or maybe it was a Saturday lunch after the kids' soccer game, these impromptu dinner parties. And even today, at least for Gaina and I, we love the idea that we can just call up a few people. Now it's our family who live around us, and say, just come. I sat down uh, to start worship this morning. There was a text message from my mother who said, hey, we're cooking this. You want to come for lunch? Hospitality. Doesn't it feel warm? Don't those memories make you feel warm, connected? But here's the thing. The hospitality described here moves beyond the warm and comfortable people we already know to the people we don't know at all this kind of hospitality. It's the welcome of strangers. I remember, I'll tell you another quick story. I went to visit the Friends of Jesus Church at one time in a large city, uh, kind of in the Northeast. And at the Friends of Jesus Church, it was kind of like in a storefront on the road, and it doubled during the day as kind of a bookstore coffee shop. But in the evening, they would have these gatherings, the worship gatherings for the Friends of Jesus Church. So I was there on a Sunday evening, and I went to the Friends of Jesus Church, and there were tables, small tables set up around the room with chairs around them. And um, on each table, there was some bread and a pitcher of water and cups. Very simple. Um, We sat, someone got up and began to sing a few songs and hymns, and we all sang sang them together. I, I kid you not, the song leader was a former Washington, we were in Washington, D.C., was a former Washington Redskin. And he sang, and we sang together around, and then, and then it came time uh, for us to share communion. And they did this in a unique way. It was part of a meal. And so someone, uh, some people from the back began to come out with plates of lasagna, bread, water, lasagna. That was dinner, and set it in front of us. We started to eat dinner, and they had given us, out of the scripture reading, they had given us a, um, a question for discussion as we hear dinner. And so I'm a visitor there, so I'm like, um, this is not like, it's not like church that I'm accustomed to. We had sung songs together. We had prayed together. There was scripture. There was a question for discussion, and now lasagna right there in the middle of the service. And I noticed that someone came in the front door. Again, this is on a, a busy street storefront, and it was a, a couple of passersby and someone jumped up to greet them at the door rather abruptly. And I, I paid attention to this because this was unusual, the whole setup. And I, the, the guys uh, said that uh, they were just passing by and they noticed the sign about the church and just thought they would stop in. And, and the, 
The gentleman who jumped up to greet them and receive them waved to the back and someone else pulled up a few extra chairs around the table and they sat down there and they brought out some more lasagna and the guys sat down there and ate lasagna and were taking in what was going on. And out of that meal and the discussion, then someone stood up and we had bread and we had cup and we had the table of the Lord. We remembered Jesus and his suffering. And at the end, we got up in a big circle and they just said, would you mind introducing yourselves? And uh, those of you who are guests today, and so I did. And then we came to those two gentlemen. They said, hey, we, we just, um, we're from the neighborhood and we saw the sign and we recognized it with the help that you've been providing some of the people in the neighborhood. And we thought we'd stop in. And, and then it was in December, and then he kind of stopped mid-sentence, and he started singing, Silent night, holy night. Just right there in the middle of everything, he just started singing, singing silent night over us. These strangers who had wandered by and sat at our table. All is calm, all is bright. You recognize the words and the melody, he sang them in Spanish. Just who did we think came to church with us that day? Anyway, look, this story about hospitality is about the welcome of strangers and then discovering in the welcome of strangers, surprise, which is the third thing. It's God in your midst. It's God in your midst. It is this surprising rehearsal, uh, reversal, where the guests that we receive in the practice of being the host flips around, and God, who is the host of the whole creation, becomes the host, and we become the guest. This is the most defining characteristic of the people of God, and it's why for the next four Sundays, we want to come back to these texts and explore in a deeper way, what does this mean? What does it look like for us? Well, here's a glimpse just in um, this quotation. It's a little bit small, but this is Jean Vadir from a book called, uh, next slide, it'll appear there. Oh, maybe not the next slide. I'll just read it to you. Listen closely. Maybe we'll come back to the words. Jean Venier writes, In years to come, we are going to need many small communities which will welcome lost and lonely people, offering them a new form of family and a sense of belonging. In the past, Christians who wanted to follow Jesus opened hospitals and schools. Did you know this? The whole idea of the hospital comes out of the life of the church. Hospitality hospital. You see the the root word? In the past, Christians who wanted to follow Jesus opened hospitals to receive the sick and the suffering and the hurting. And they opened schools, schools of, of learning to receive those. Now that there are so many of these, he writes, Christians must com- commit themselves to the new communities of welcome to live with people who have no other family and to show them that they are loved and can grow to greater freedom and that they in turn can love and give life to others. New forms of hospitality. So we move from telling these stories about hospitality each Sunday, this morning and in the weeks to come, from telling stories about the practice of hospitality to the table of the Lord as training ground for the practice of hospitality. I know that's a different way to think about what communion, the table of the Lord. We remember Jesus, the gift of Jesus, his body broken, his blood shed. We remember that. But in that remembering and in that practice of coming to the table, we are also being formed in the practice of hospitality so that our eyes 
might see the strangers in our midst, to prepare our hearts to move with passion to Abraham and to Sarah, to discover the surprising gift of God in the space between us. My wife's favorite song right now is called Crowded Table. Any of you know this song? It's by the High Women. High Women, anyone? You're going to all Google that later. Well, some of you will. Others of you will right over your head. The High Women. The chorus goes, I want a house with a crowded table and a place by the fire for everyone. Let us take on the world while we're young and able and bring us back together when the day is done. I love that image. In our house, we have a long, narrow table in our dining room. We take this quite literally. (laughs) Try to anyway. I'd like for you to imagine as we gather, move toward the table this morning, a long table. And that maybe here among us, this life we share together in this community of faith, this is a house with a crowded table and a place by the fire for everyone. Let's go take on the world while we're able and then bring us back together when the day is done. This is the word of the Lord. Let's join our hearts as we move toward the table.